Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Seriously, if you want to relieve stress, go to the Word of God. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's just so weird, isn't it? Yeah. People say stuff like that. I apologize for it. Are you kidding me? Let's all do baptism, and I have a little pool here, and we'll all feel nice and relaxed. That's baptism. No, baptism is a sacred Christian rite. All the various yogas are sacred Hindu rites. Wake up, America! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, the Bible isn't a psychiatry book. I kind of beg to differ. This is Wretched Radio, the Bible, that antiquated book that progressives would say just doesn't speak to the issues of our day. Furthermore, it's filled with all kinds of fantastic stories. And it contradicts itself. And I'm so sorry. It's like the telephone game. It's just an old book that doesn't have a place in today's conversation about our emotional issues. I would like to suggest the Bible proves itself to be more than sufficient for helping us understand ourselves and our emotional problems. Case in point, right here in my never-before-nicotine-stained figures, an article from Derek Brown citing the eight marks of a sluggard. Now, there are several reasons this article is important. Number one, it has the number eight And we love lists. So that's a really good reason. The article itself could be lousy, but if it's a list, it qualifies for fodder here on Wretched Radio. Second, there's a whole lot of people that are exactly this, sluggards. Furthermore, this article is important because it reveals that the Bible diagnoses the problem. Don't forget, whenever it comes to an emotional issue, most likely, if not every time, really close to, there's something going on. This isn't Freudian. We're not going to go interpret your dreams and figure out how you were treated by your mother. But we do want to dig deeper than what presents itself on the surface. So let's just say somebody comes into the office, you're counseling them, and they say, my life is a hash. Is that the problem? No. That's the fruit of the problem. Let's get down to why. And you then would ask a lot of questions to discover, oh, I see why life is a complete dog's breakfast for this fellow or fellowette. It's because they are a sluggard. That's the term the Bible uses for somebody who's lazy. And the fruit of their laziness, their slothfulness, is a life that just, it ain't happening. And then the biblical counselor can go read what does the Bible say about the sluggard to work through it step by step until you get to the number eight to help the person see here's what's really going on. It offers both a diagnosis and a prognosis. It tells you this is the issue. This is what you're going to experience from being a sluggard. And this is then how you address it now that you recognize what it is. So let us Take a look at the brilliance of the Bible again in describing the eight marks of a sluggard, numero uno. That's also the number one. The sluggard will not start things. They've got an initiative problem. They rely on others to tell them what to do. Proverbs 6, 9. 
verbal output outstrips his actual production. Proverbs 14.23. He talks of great plans, but he just can't seem to put them in action. That's the sluggard. They, they don't get anywhere because they never get off the dime. They never hit go. They never cross the starting line. They don't respond to the gun. We get the point already. They just sit, but they talk a big game. If you know somebody like that, you can point them to the way of the sluggard and you can start to show them you keep this up. This is where you're headed, guaranteed, because the Bible accurately describes what happens to the life of a sluggard. The sluggard, number two, will not finish things. They don't start them. And if they do, they don't get them done. This is someone who has a growing stack of half-read books on his desk. Ouch. Ow. 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 Sometimes, though, books, the first half tends to be the better half, frankly. (laughs) I've read lots of books that started out great and then just limped to the finish line. Nevertheless, this one never finishes a book. A host of home projects awaiting completion. Multiple promises to friends and family left unfulfilled. A collection of almost written articles in the queue. And a gym membership hasn't been used since 2018. That is the way of the sluggard. What do we do with this information? We ask questions. Tell me about your book pile. Tell me about the projects that you've been meaning to get to at home. Well, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I haven't done the other thing. My wife's getting kind of annoyed with me. Okay. It looks like you're a sluggard. And while that is a hard word, remember whenever we let the Bible interpret our hearts and our motivations and what is really going on without using psychological gobbledygook, it then provides hope and help for us. Why should somebody not be a sluggard? We'll get to that in just a moment. Number three sign of the eight marks of a sluggard. The sluggard will not face hard things. If confronted with a hard decision or a hard conversation, the sluggard thrown into indecision, wavering between multiple options, and will tend to turn to entertainment to take one's mind off of the work that is set before him or her. They just flee to a happy place. They just console themselves that they're filling their days because they're watching a lot of Netflix. They just can't do the hard work that sometimes human relationships demand, don't they? That's the life of the sluggard. If any of these, by the way, are tagging you, It doesn't mean perhaps that you're a full-blown sluggard, but these are areas of our life. Don't we all need to get better at these? Number four, the sluggard is anxious and restless. Living contrary to the way he was made, you are going to be miserable. You are not made to be slothful. You are not made to put your hands on your chest, twiddle your thumbs, fall asleep, and then drool on your chest. You are made for work. Why should you do those things? We'll get to that in a moment. Remember, if we aren't operating the way that God wants us to operate because that's the way that he made us, everything is out of whack. Everything. It won't work, at least not to its maximum capacity. I have a pair of really filthy glasses in my hand. Now, I could use these perhaps as a screwdriver to try to adjust my microphone. 
it might work, but not efficiently, not well. Furthermore, I'm neglecting their actual job description. They're supposed to be on my face, helping me read the eight marks of a sluggard article better. That's what they're made for. In other words, what I'm trying to say is my glasses are happiest when they're on my face. I know it's an inanimate object. It doesn't have emotions, but the illustration points toward us. You're made to work hard. And when you're not, you can't be happy. You can't because that's not the way that God made you. Please note, this might be a word of caution for all of us. Not everybody needs to work at the same clip. Not everybody needs to be at a particular speed all the time. In fact, nobody should be at a particular speed all the time because it indicates you aren't aware of seasons that require more or less. And we don't want to make sure that we want to make sure that we don't take our standard for hard work and apply it to everybody else. Their capacity might simply be less or more. And we can't be looking at one another going, oh, lazy bum. Mm, Can't use that standard, but we can encourage all of us to pick it up. I remember vividly, and I even remember the preacher, whom I like, he said something about Paul working really, really hard. And he said, see, you got to be careful that you don't work yourself into the grave. Because you, you can work so hard, you, you become burned out. But if you don't work hard enough, then you rust out. I don't want either. I want kind of the middle. Well, I would suggest the more balanced approach, quite honestly, is that, yeah, we're, we're always working hard, but there's going to be some days it just demands more out of us. And you go to bed drop dead tired. There are other days when you have a chance to not do so much, you should take opportunity to do nothing that day. Because we need rest. Resting is not a sin. It's a reminder that we're not God. It's good for us to remember rest. Now, you're one of those people who struggles to fall asleep. This maybe sounds foreign to you. I only have four words to say to you. Melatonin. You, therefore, can sleep and rest because it's chemically induced. (laughs) But you should And you shouldn't be made to feel guilty if you are regularly working hard, some days harder than others, and other days resting more than others. But that is not the issue of the sluggard who does not face hard things, who is anxious and restless because they're not operating at the capacity that God has custom made them. There are four more signs of the sluggard. Are you starting to see how the Bible really tags us? No, it's not a psychiatry book because we don't need or utilize man's ideas. This is God's description of the human being who just isn't very productive. We will study four more signs. Are we having fun yet? And offer the solution to motivate all of us to get her done. This is Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched affordable biblical health insurance? 
sharing Christians, paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. In November 2020, Tim Challies and his wife Aileen received the phone call every parent dreads. Their 20-year-old son Nick, while away at seminary, collapsed and died. As Tim and his wife traveled to Louisville, Tim began to do the only thing he knew to do to process his loss. He began to write. And now all of his writings, some of which have been shared publicly, some not until now for the first time, have all been compiled into his latest book, Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. Seasons of Sorrow is a book for anyone that is loved and lost. It benefits those that are working through sorrow or those that are comforting others. You'll not only see how God is sovereign over loss, but how good he is in those moments. You'll discover how to pass through times of grief while keeping your faith, and you'll learn biblical doctrine can work itself out even in life's most difficult situations. Seasons of Sorrow, available now in the Wretched Store at wretched.org. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Lexicon. Providence is the word we use to describe God's preserving, upholding, and governing of His creation. God sustains His creation day to day through ordinary means established at the beginning of time, and He intervenes in miraculous ways. In all things, God is working for His glory and for the good of those who love Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Don't worry, there's a perfectly fine segue in this personal story. This is Wretched Radio. I just got off the FaceTime thingy. Were you? Did you know that you can put more than one person on the FaceTime? I just did a conference FaceTime call. Oh, wow. The kids these days with their technology. It was my daughter and son-in-law informing us they got a house. Jimmy, they were actually able to procure a house in this market. Wow. It was work. Uh, see what I'm doing with the segue? Huh. To get back to the sluggard thingy? <laughs> it was hard work. 
you had to really hustle to get in there before everybody else saw it and make sure you studied the market and made sure you traveled around to get a good sense of neighborhoods. Take a look at what the economy predictions are. Some say it's going up. Some say the housing market's going to crash. It's hard work. And I bring this up, first of all, because I'm really happy for them. Second of all, my daughter and son-in-law are really good examples of what we're not talking about. Oh, no, they're not good examples of what we're talking about. I need to get my negations put in the right word order, don't I? They are hard workers. I mean, they work hard because they were raised in a home where hard work was, that's just what you do. These days, we have a generation that has not been forced to go to work. We have now two, three generations of people who have rarely felt a pinch. There's a reason that people who lived through World War II were rather frugal because they knew what want is and that it's not available. Now, I realize, courtesy of our current administration, we get to experience supply chain interruptions. I don't get it. I truly, I don't get it. But here we are. And and we might, might be facing some sort of shortage in the future, and it would help us to appreciate stuff more when you have to work for it, when you have to save for it. It is gooder for us. Every parent laments this, don't we? And you are a good mom and dad if you actually make your kid work when they don't have to. Why? Because we were made to work. God is a working God. It is not a nine-to-five position. He's a 24-7 deity who is upholding the universe by the word of his power. He is orchestrating all events, ordaining every single thing that happens in the universe for his glory and for our good. He works hard. And when we are called an image bearer of God, this is one of those areas that we should be instilling into our kids and into ourselves. I have a confession to make, Jimmy. I think we talked about this maybe last week, but Christian ministries and Christian churches, it can be a harbor for lazy people. Mm. I, I, I can't tell you how often calling up a Christian ministry, you don't get a phone call back. Now, I understand it could be because it is I who is calling. I totally get that. But every time, everybody all the time or you send an email or you just place an order and it just gets lost in the shuffle and then it's just oh we're just a little behind here okay I'm glad that's working for you where i come from you get her done and we're supposed to now i have to confess to you this is a pretty easy diatribe for me to deliver because i like to work hard. i just i like it so it's this is This doesn't tend to be an issue for me. Believe me, I've got issues, but it might be an issue for you. So let me share with you the eight marks, the eight signs of a sluggard from Derek J. Brown so that we can identify it in ourselves, recognize the Bible is sufficient for all of life and godliness to help us with our deficiencies and to give us the correct motivation. The sluggard, number one sign, is he doesn't start things. Number two, doesn't finish things. Number three, the sluggard will not face hard things. Four, the sluggard is anxious and restless because they're never fulfilling their job description while they're on this earth. 
and they just, they don't feel fulfilled. And that is the right feeling because you are not fulfilling your mandate. Number five, the sluggard has constant trouble. Financial trouble, Proverbs 12, 11, 19, 15, 24, 21, 5, 24, 33 through 34. Or live in perpetual messiness at home. Oh, is that why Jordan Peterson is right when he tells us to make our bed? Or was that an animal? Somebody wrote a book of some guy in the military. Here's how you can succeed in life. Number one, make your bed. Yeah, yeah, I've read that. Well, there's something to be there. There's actually something to be said for that. There's a couple of reasons. Number one is it shows that you've got your day under control. You wake up, you don't just flop out of bed. I got some place to go. I want this to look organized because God is organized and I'm willing to do the work, even if it's a bit of a hassle, because I'm here to work today. I'm here to serve the Lord today. Oops, that might have been a spoiler alert right there. The sluggard may have financial trouble, perpetual messiness, may not be able to keep a job for any length of time because he can't discipline his or her time, shun distraction, and work hard. Simple responsibilities like paying bills and maintaining vehicles will be neglected and cause unnecessary friction. That's from the Bible, by the way. No, it doesn't talk about your automobile but it does describe the sluggard in this manner. And it's right, isn't it? The sluggard, number six, is a nuisance to others. You could put me in a room with a vat of crack, and I could not write one proverb that is even remotely as brilliant as any of the proverbs that were written. I just, I can't even... Phil Johnson couldn't write something like this, and he's a good writer. He could not concoct a proverb this brilliant. By the way, speaking of Solomon, Nehemiah 13, just heard this sermon on Sunday. Nehemiah 13 talks about worldliness, which, by the way, the world view about work isn't. It's not biblical. It's work less, live more. Don't work hard lollygag, experience the world, all of the bennies without all of the calories burned into going into what it takes to enjoy oneself. And in Nehemiah 13, when Nehemiah isn't very happy because he, he comes, this is, this is after 15 years, they made a commitment 15 years earlier in Nehemiah 12, there's a, between 12 and 13, there's about a 15 year span. And they had committed, we're not going to marry any foreign women. We are not going to give our daughters to foreign men. It had nothing to do with racial issues. It had everything to do with religious issues that you will go astray and you will worship their gods. Nehemiah, 15 years later, there they're at it again, giving their wives to or or giving their daughters to foreign men, taking on foreign wives. And he used Solomon as the example of a guy who did the very same thing. And look what it caused him. And the emphasis on Nehemiah is, take heed, Solomon fell. You think you're going to do better? Be godly, not worldly. You let down your guard, and you are going to get knocked out fast. It happened to Solomon. It'll happen to you. Don't be worldly. And if I could use that as a segue, 
Don't be lazy. That's the worldly way. Be a hard worker. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. Just annoying. Number seven, the sluggard is self-deceived. And it may manifest itself in grand proposals, big ideas, a new invention. But they'll resist outside critique. And they might have little basis in reality. Slow, consistent accumulation of wealth through steady work habits is unattractive to the sluggard. So unrealistic dreams of quick money may dominate his mind. Isn't that true? Have you met that guy before? Probably buys lottery tickets, too. Number eight sign of the sluggard. The sluggard won't become a leader. Because of laziness, the sluggard will not wield much influence. Certainly won't become a leader, for leadership requires diligence, sacrifice, long hours, pain, and perseverance. Now, you can be doing those things without becoming a leader. But this does indeed start to get us down the trail of why we should be motivated to work hard. If you don't, you're not going to accomplish all the good things you could get done for the Lord. You just don't know what you could be doing to build God's kingdom and participating in that eternal work. In other words, you're missing the boat, but I think there's a bigger motivator. Consider, oh, I'm trying to, Jesus. He is the demonstration of a hard worker. Gets up early to pray. Spends his day. Read the Gospel of Mark. Immediately, 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 immediately. Man, he was working hard. Why? Because he was accomplishing God's purposes so that sinners could be reconciled to the Father. He worked hard. Stare at Jesus who did that, yes, for the glory of God, but also for your benefit. And that should be what gets you out of bed in the morning. My Savior worked hard for me. I am on it. Give me the assignments, Lord. I'm going to tackle them, and I'm going to work hard because I don't want to be a sluggard. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. An associate professor at Cornell University has said that CRT is a curriculum being used to eliminate the concept of objective truth from classrooms. Now, that's a claim most evangelicals have been making for quite some time, but for a university professor to make that same claim, yeah, that's pretty rare. You know, we talk so much about the opposite of this here at Wretched. I just thought it was a good idea to start today's newscast saluting one professor who's willing to stand up for truth. Well, over the weekend, Burbank, California held a family pride event that was sponsored by Nickelodeon. Yeah, the Children's Channel. And there have been quite a few videos of the event released which show children witnessing a guy dressed as a female, you know, a drag queen, dancing provocatively while receiving cash from the children. It's important to remember it was an event that was marketed to families and targeted toward kids. Because, you know, grooming children is the main objective at this point in time in our culture. You know, I can remember a time not so long ago in this country when a man entered a female locker room, he would be physically removed and likely arrested. But unfortunately, as you all know, we do not live in that culture anymore. Take, for instance, members of the Randolph High School girls volleyball team. That's in Vermont. The girls have been banned from using their own locker room. Why, you ask? 
Well, because they objected to having to change clothes in front of a male teammate. Yeah, a male who is allowed to play girls volleyball and also desires to change with the girls. And the actual real girls, they're not too keen on that, so they complained. And in true inverted reality fashion, they are the ones who got in trouble. Well, last week, if you remember, we told you the story about Twitter once again banning the account of the libs of TikTok because they posted a factual story about a children's hospital performing radical gender sex reassignment surgeries. And in response to their banning, the libs of TikTok lawyered up and fired back, which caused Twitter to stand down. So, what do you think happened once their account was restored? They came out swinging, immediately reporting on a children's hospital in Maine, which appears to be doing the same thing as the other hospital they reported on and got banned for. So salute to the libs of TikTok for not being intimidated or silenced by Twitter. Well, isn't this creatively evil, demonic, and disgusting? Planned Parenthood, the nation's largest chain of baby murder factories, announced earlier this week that they would soon hit the road in 37-foot RVs to bring abortion services to the borders of states that have banned murdering unborn babies. Just when you think maybe society can't fall much farther, maybe they can't get more demonic, well, they do baby murder factories on wheels. But I guess they're following the laws, so of course it's legal and acceptable. Mm. Lord, come quick. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence that God is working in us. Every believer will evidence this fruit. But it is important to remember that bearing fruit is a consequence of salvation, not a requirement for salvation. God is working in us and through us, and He is the source of this fruit, not us. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Guess. Go ahead and guess. This is Wretched Radio. Guess which book. This is a trick question. Guess which book in the Bible is the go-to book for leadership, management, productivity. If your answer is Nehemiah, my response is, eh, that is not the purpose of the book of Nehemiah. Whilst you might, you might find leadership tips in Nehemiah because he was so successful. I believe he was the third return group from Babylon, building the wall, securing the place, putting leaders into place. He was a man who got stuff done, and a whole lot of pastors, therefore, have turned the book of Nehemiah into a leadership treatise. It isn't for two reasons. Number one, the purpose of the book of Nehemiah, along with Ezra, is to show God's faithfulness to his Abrahamic covenant, that God against all odds. It's not because Nehemiah and Ezra were so spectacular. It is because what if God did? Bending the heart of the king like a river, sending back cash for the funding of the temple. God was showing his might. It wasn't put in the Bible for us to understand Nehemiah's leadership strategies. Furthermore, we don't know if what we read about in an historical narrative is actually a biblical leadership tip. So if you read about Nehemiah, he was a man of action. So he was decisive. He saw evil and he just dealt with it and he bang, put it out there. How do you know that's good? How, how, how do you know 
that when he was having the wall built, it was good to have a lot of people helping because that's what was done. The wall was built in a matter of dozens of days, went up very fast around the city to protect it, of course. And it was done by people. And the Bible lists, Nehemiah lists all the people that helped. Why so many people? How do we know it's good to have a lot of folks working on a big project? You have to look elsewhere in the Bible with clear teachings. And I hold in my never before nicotine stained fingers, a management book, a leadership book for Christians. And what book in the Bible is this Christian book based on? All of them. Because we don't have a leadership book in the Bible per se. We have to glean the entire thing to see how it is that we are supposed to act as managers or leaders, as bosses, as employees. The Bible is sufficient for the task. And I'd like to share with you what, Jimmy, I have to confess to you. Okay. You better hold on, buddy boy. All right. Because I'm telling you, when this subject right here, this is going to be a ratings juggernaut. Uh. If you aren't in a leadership position, hear the elegance of the Bible. See the sufficiency of Scripture. And if you're not a leader in an, in a corporation, you are involved in a local church because the focus of this particular book called Called to Cooperate, a biblical survey and application of teamwork, it, it is a, it, it's a leadership book per se. It's a management book, if you will. It really focuses on teamwork, making the biblical case for the importance of doing stuff together. And we see all over the Bible why it is that God wants us to work in teams. And we should love it because it is gooder, because God says so. Let me jump into Call to Cooperate. Jeff Mingi is the author of the book, who I think might actually be just certifiably bonkers. At the end of the book, hey, if you'd like to talk about this more, here's my phone number. Are you out of your mind, Jeff? He actually puts his phone number. I called it. Hung up on him twice. It was really super funny. Let's jump into the gospel and teamwork. Where do we find the idea of teams in the Bible? Let's start a creation. Who, who made the place? We see right away a trinity in create Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You, you say, where's the trinity there? Well, it is the plural form of God. Furthermore, First John, John 1 rather tells us in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. Go back to Genesis 1. We see the spirit of God moving over. God speaking it into existence. You see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Creation was done as a team. If you and I think that nobody can do anything as good as I can do, I'm doing this myself. Oh, be careful. While there certainly is a time and a place for that, our attention should be turned to teamwork. Genesis 2, we see the theological foundations of teamwork. As God himself has, de has declared, it is not good that man should be alone. Why, why are you married? Because it's not good to be single alone. Now, it can be a blessing. I'm not talking about that gift. But marriage is good for us. We do it as a team. This has some application for us in the church, 
and in the office. In Exodus, we read of Moses, who was sharpened by the advice of Jethro, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Moses is working sun up till sundown, exhausted, judging the people. And who comes along? The father-in-law. I wonder who sent him. Sir, if you're a workaholic, don't wait for your father-in-law to show up and say the thing you're doing is not good. Watch your time management. That's what Jethro did for Moses, sharpened him up. We read the participation of God's people from Oholiab and Bezalel. There's a couple of names available if you're one of those Christians who wants a Bible name. To the cooperative work of the people of Israel in building the tabernacle. In Numbers, we're systematically reminded the story of salvation is a communal story as we read the census of God's people. Recounting Israel's history, David and his mighty men. They're exemplified. David's parting wisdom to Solomon to deal loyally with those who have helped in times past, which he failed to do, which is why we had a divided kingdom. Teamwork. It's good for us because it's biblical. Paul considered everybody who supported him partners in the gospel. If you funded Paul, you sent some money to Paul, you, you were considered a partner. It was a teamwork effort, which is why, and this should not be used to get anybody off the evangelistic hook, but if you are supporting an effort for people to go and make disciples, you're participating in evangelism. This does not mean that you shouldn't make the most of every opportunity to share with as many people as you can in your situation with your skills, abilities. You should be doing that, but you should also know when you hold the rope for somebody who goes down into the well, you're a partner in ministry. That's how, saw, how Paul saw it. Christian teamwork could be defined as self-sacrificing conformity to the gospel for the advancement of the gospel. That, that's what Christian teamwork is. Now, business teamwork, typically you're going to have a goal, making widgets, selling stuff, marketing something building, finding a solution, and that becomes everybody's goal. And that is why corporations work so hard to foster that goal. That shouldn't be necessary in the church, in the family, because we all have one goal, the glory of another. That's what provides Christian teamwork. And if you are not keeping your eye on it, you're probably inclined to miss the blessings of it. This book from Jeff Mingy called Call to Cooperate, talking again about in the beginning, God created. The original effort and example of teamwork in our world, creation, was perhaps the most beautiful that has ever been or ever will be. Products of great human teamwork, such as the pyramids, the construction of the Brooklyn Bridge, pale in comparison. The accomplishments of elite athletic teams, such as the Miracle on Ice. Remember that? Nothing. Next to the cooperation in creation, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit created all that is together. God the Father did not speak or create without the Son and the Spirit, and the Son and the Spirit didn't create independent of the Father. It was a team effort. It originates in God, this concept of working together. He's the one who gives us the model. We don't see this particular skill or this particular idea presented in the book of Nehemiah as something we must do. Now, we see examples of it, but the only way that we know that it's good is because of other books in the Bible. 
Teamwork originates in God. He is the origin of community, creation, and team. He's the one who displays fellowship, team, and love. The triune nature of this God affects everything from how we listen to music to how we pray. It makes for happier marriages, warmer dealings with others, better church life. It gives Christians assurance, shapes holiness, and transforms the very way we look at the world around us. All of that from the Bible? So as you sit in that staff meeting, as you interact with the secretary down the hall, oh boy, I'm glad I've got Jeff's number. Gotta call him secretary. That word's a big no-no. As you interact with the executive assistant down the hall, as you celebrate the victories of those on your team, you are imaging God. With each interaction, we are meant to echo the love of this triune God. Now we're going to get practical, practical. I want to get practical. We have the theological backdrop for teamwork. What does it look like? How can I be representing the triune God by going about the business of doing business as a team, whether it's home, church, or work. Like I said, Jimmy, a ratings juggernaut. Next on Wretched Radio. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Here's a fun fact. Did you know Todd also hosts a daily TV program? Yep, that's right. Wretched TV is a daily 30-minute program containing live witnessing encounters, conversations about tough theological issues, and like a jillion other things. And you can find Wretched TV pretty much everywhere. It's airing on over 135 Christian TV networks. You'll also find the show on streaming services like Roku, American Gospel TV, Answers in Genesis TV, Amazon Fire TV, and as always... Very trustworthy and reliable, wretched.org. This, of course, is only possible because of our gospel partners. It's through their kindness and generosity and commitment to the gospel that we're able to reach millions of people all over the world every year. And so can I ask you to please pray about partnering with us in our efforts to preach the gospel, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. You can find out more about becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner at wretched.org slash donate. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur Study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you 
like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines, they typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing, $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Books of the Bible. Deuteronomy means second law. As the Israelites prepared to enter the promised land after wandering 40 years, God reminds them of how he rescued them from Egypt, what he commands in his law, and the blessings and curses that come with keeping or breaking his law. God is faithful to provide the inheritance he has promised to his children. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Gonna need just a little time for this. This is Wretched Radio. I'm your host, the Communications Emperor. <laughs> it's my new title. Okay. You can't be satisfied with your current title. No, you can't. Don't be a secretary. You've got to be an administrative assistant because that just sounds more highfalutin. It's the same work. That is why I'm just, I'm going to follow the trend. Exactly. What did I say? Communications Emperor. That's That sounds I good. I think that's what I'm known as. Jimmy, do you have your title put together yet? Do you uh, need a little more time on this? Yeah, I'm working on it. All right. You yeah. let me know. I will. I will. Because of the, what you just told me was pretty lame. Yeah, I didn't like it. Audio, what did you say? Audio what? Audio production Pro- specialist. Yeah, I don't yeah, like see, that. that. No, no, that's, no. That's beneath me. That. <laughs> <laughs> and it appears so is teamwork. A concept that actually is found in the Bible a lot, and it has implications for us. How we go about the business of business, church, home, working as teams. You and I, as image bearers of God, can play that role better when we do it as a team, because that is what the Bible says God does. He does things as a team. Furthermore, he assigns men and women to be together as a married team. God puts together peoples, local churches, and we are supposed to work with one another. And the implications are huge, but the questions are also large. How do we do it? Let's let Jeff Mingi call to cooperate a biblical survey and application of the book of Nehemiah. I'm just kidding. Not, not the, most teams don't aim for the glory of God. Even ministry teams have a tendency to treat God's glory as an unspoken or assumed goal. Don't do that. God's glory is not meant to be an accidental byproduct, but the ultimate aim of our teams. The Trinity teaches us that all of our teamwork ought to intentionally aim toward the glory of God, not just the task But how we complete the job, what is our attitude? How do we make our decisions? How do we go about the business of doing this, not as a lone ranger, but together? Where Moses was weak, Aaron was strong. Where Aaron was confused, Moses was clear. Using cooperation, teamwork together. Here's an illustration. Perhaps you've heard this probably during a sermon on Nehemiah. But this is an illustration that is a little, you might get caught in this trap, man. Three people all have been hired to serve on the local fire department. 
Each is given a specific job. The first person is assigned the task of driving the truck. The second is responsible for connecting the fire hose. The third, directing the fire hose nozzle at the base of the fire. Now, that's that's what the, the three job descriptions are. So here's the question. If you're one of those three people, what's your job? You might go, well, well I need to aim the water at the fire. Mm-mm, it's not your job. You know, well, my job was to, was to get us there in the truck. Nope, that's not your job. Your job is to put out the fire. That's Christian teamwork. It's not the individual task. That's not your job in a team. Your job is to glorify God. And I would simply encourage you, if you do not manage, work with others with that perspective, well, I don't, I don't, I don't think no matter how best-selling a management book is, it, it isn't right if it doesn't have this component. That I remember what I am doing at my job, even if we're not talking about church work here, I'm doing this for the glory of God. That's why I'm doing That's why I'm motivated. That's what today is. When I get into my car in the parking lot at the end of the day, did I glorify God? Then, then, then you have done your role rightly. Jeff Mingi, called to cooperate, talks about the benefits of teamwork. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has nobody else to lift him up. If two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And although a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. That's right. It was quoting the Bible right there. <laughs> so here's the benefits of teamwork. One, increased profit. Two people can produce more than one. Two, you have help in time of need. You fall down, somebody picks you up. Remember Moses, his arms being held up? He needed people to do that. Number three, there's emotional comfort. Solomon talks about that. Being together. How, how comforting is it to go through something difficult with somebody else? And in this instance, very, very strange considering our current gender confused world that we live in but but two men out facing the elements lying together to stay warm protected from the cold and it has benefits it also has protection number four and that you've got somebody who has your back i'm thinking about open air preaching <laughs> how many times somebody has stepped in to save the open air preacher jimmy i just saw yes. a video the other day i'll I bet we could I probably could go find this, but it was from open air preaching. Do you remember this trend? It was maybe 12, 15 years ago. You ain't got, you ain't got no macaroni and cheese. No, you, you ain't got no jello pudding. You ain't got no pancake batter. You ain't got no pancake mix. That was the heckle. I don't know how this happened, but it started. Somebody was doing some open air preaching and the heckler yells out, you ain't got no pancake mix. Don't listen to this man. He ain't got no pancake mix. What does that even mean? And it caught on. I don't know. It caught on on YouTube. So people started heckling the open air preacher. You ain't got no pancake mix. So the smart open air preachers brought pancake mix. (laughs) 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 Probably carried by somebody. See the importance of teamwork. When you go out, Jesus sent out the disciples two by two. Why? For protection, for encouragement, to help one another, to do more work together. Think about your life. I'll figure out mine. Where do you have the opportunity to apply this? 
healthy teamwork has an instrument or had it has an ingredient rather that is crucial and this is this is another benefit of teamwork it is a sanctifier because let's be honest you're going to have to work with some sinners and they're going to have to work with you aka a sinner and you need something to help you get along what do you need that's right jimmy are you ready ready for love Love. yes that's what him that's what teamwork hangs on if we have the greatest team strategy the best looking team members the most compelling mission statement the dream team of dream teams but have not love we have nothing that kind of echoes a bible verse love is the humility that celebrates when another team member achieves the long sought after success they've been working toward Love honors others and points out the value in their ideas and contributions rather than feeling threatened. Love does not need to celebrate itself because it is so happy to celebrate others. That is a good sign if you're a team player. You're you're cheering the other ones on. Now, secular management books, they encourage this, but they have no basis for it. From an evolutionary standpoint, you they might be able to say well there's an there's an evolutionary advantage in being nice to people i could argue there's an evolutionary an an evolutionary advantage in not being nice to people i'm on a team of three i want to be the one who gets promoted i'm gonna i'm gonna stab those guys in the back and it's good for me and you can argue against it my evolutionary friend but a christian can and a christian can understand why love needs to be at the core of it and therefore how we can go about the business of esteeming others as better than ourselves by sharing in the joys of the work that they've accomplished, even if it means compromising your own. What was the, I just saw some show. Ah, I can't remember. Didn't, didn't watch very much TV. Tried to watch some of the bowl games over the weekend, Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah, I did. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. No. It was blowouts all yeah. over the place. I know. Roll I know. Tide. Wow, did they roll? <laughs> they did all over UGA. But I was watching something, and oh, I know. Oh, oh, I'm not going to tell you because I'm ashamed. Let's just say that I was trying to be a good team player when my wife said, "Well, that looks cute. Let's watch that." <laughs> And the scenario was the the young man who was trying to date the young lady. Now, somebody said something in a crowd about the young lady that was not charitable. And the fellow didn't speak up to defend her. And she happened to be, of course, able to eavesdrop on it. And it caused a big hassle until, of course, they work that out. And at the end, they do the hallmark kiss and away you go. But the dad said to the son, why didn't you say something? Well, it was it was a, it was a meeting. I I I I I I was going to do it later, son. I thought you understood. There are some things that are worth more than money. Boom. There are some things worth more than money. Encouraging, exhorting, helping, serving, seeking the best of others, celebrating when they have success, encouraging them on. That is something worth more than money and advancement. Being godly, if it costs you advancement. It's worth it because it's the better thing question are you a good team player
Until tomorrow, go serve your king.